Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Hey everyone, welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I'm your host, Judy Gold. Tonight, I know, is uh, the start of Yom Kippur, so I will be atoning for all of the horrible things I've done and will probably do again next year. And I'll be fasting. So let's hope I lose three ounces. Won't happen. But this week, I'm so excited. My guest this week is uh, Liz Winstead, who I've known for over 30 years. And her work is so important right now. And I am thrilled to have um, her on the next two episodes She's fighting the the fight. So I want you all, unless you're Jewish, because you should be in, you know, you should be getting ready for the holiday and not listen to this till Wednesday night. But I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. Anyway, sit back, relax, and enjoy part one of my conversation with Liz Winstead, Tuesdays. Ladies and gentlemen, it's always interesting to have a guest on who you have known since the very beginning of your career. And you have seen flourish in so many different directions. And yet we all started in the same place, you know, and that is the history I have with our guest. We can talk about what it was like being a, you know, a comic in the eighties, who's a woman who has a point of view and is subversive and confrontational and brutally honest because that's what she was uh, and still is. And she's the author of 
a very, I loved your book, by the way. Thank you. I really loved your book. That's Even nice. though it's a 10, it's 10 years old. Where can people get, the, they can still get the book because I got the I book. I think so, yeah. For like a dollar on Amazon. Like now you can just get it for a dollar. Yeah. Or you can have I me know. read it to you. I did that. I did version. that. I did a lot of the reading to me because then I could, you know, fold my laundry. Okay. I didn't fold my laundry. You have had multiple comedy specials. You are unbeknownst to probably an entire generation, one of the creators of The Daily Show. Among other shows, you've created a bunch of shows. You have done something with your career that is, I mean, I don't know, I don't know that a lot of people get to a a, a stage in their life where they realize if I don't focus on this, I can't live with myself. I can't sleep. I, I have a greater calling. And that's you, Liz Winstead. That is you on that so many levels. Judy, thank you. But also I feel like that's like, you're giving me too much credit. All right. Take care. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. Liz for your die was great. Uh, by the way, I've been calling Liz Liz for over 30 years because yes. she has two Z's at the end of her name. And I can't let a joke die as we all know, but Oh shit. Where's my fucking, I gotta get my, I gotta get my Jew bell. Hold on. Okay. God, Laura, you didn't tell me to get the Jew bell. I did the intro and I forgot my Is Jew the bell. Jew bell a shofar or something else. Oh, that's good. I have yeah. to go get a shofar. I've always wanted to play the shofar. And I think it's because, I mean, this is so you, I really want to talk about your childhood because I feel like we, we have so, so many similarities in the fact that I always wanted to blow the shofar because it was always a man when I was growing up who blew the shofar. And it was this powerful moment where everyone, you know, was waiting for, you know, like silent. You could hear a pin drop except for the shofar. And it was such a powerful moment. And I'm like, why the fuck is it that only men can do Like, I'm so like, I, you grew up, Liz, in Minneapolis. You are the youngest of five. You're, you have three sisters and a brother, uh, Anne, Mary, uh, Linda and Jean. Unfortunately, Mary rest in peace. She passed from ALS as did my best friend, Bob. Yeah. Uh, we know that one. Yeah. And, uh, I, I do a lot of work with project ALS and they fucking adore you. So I, uh, I, it's a, you know, I have to also just in, in comedy land, um, my sister died in the middle, in the height of COVID. And I went home to be her caregiver to Minnesota. And it was the height of COVID. I landed uh, two days before um, George Floyd was murdered. And so I was in the middle of this turmoil and being someone who responds to the world all the time in my comedy, there was no place to do comedy. So Judy, this was like the greatest thing that ever happened with my sister. So I decided, I was like, how am I going to do comedy? And my sister with ALS said, Liz, the thing that you think is the worst thing about ALS is not the worst thing about ALS. For a person with ALS, the worst thing is I am now ALS. Nobody talks to me about the news. Nobody talks to me about anything. So she said, figure out a way to do a show and let's write it together. She was really funny. She was a writer. So we just took on all of the anti-mask assholes, all of the white supremacy around George Floyd, white people all of a sudden having to read anti-racist books because they right. don't have a black person in their life. Right. And so we wrote it together until she could no longer speak. She died two weeks before I did the special. And I did the special. I built a stage on the yes. side of a lake. And people came and watched it in kayaks. And yes, and like, kayaks eating di- dinner that you made. I made them picnic dinner, had had them separated out of tables for, for those 20 people. It was the first time they'd been out in 18 months. Right. And to be able to do that with my sister and have her weigh in so that trying any way you can to 
be with someone with ALS and value them because they are in their brains. Oh, you know, that is failing them. Yes. And it's the most cruel disease. Uh, You know, Bob, one of his books, literally he could lift his shoulder, but he couldn't move his, his arm. So he would let the finger drop on his iPad keyboard one letter at a time. He wrote, Treehab. And it was the fact that he continued to write and continued to write till the, he, could, he couldn't do anything. He could he could move his eyes and that was it. Um, yeah. Well, the one thing we did for my sister that I wish we would have thought of earlier that I'm going to give as a gift to anybody who is caregiving for someone with ALS is we made a keyboard yeah. on on hard cardboard and just moved her finger around like a Ouija board. And then she could stop because she couldn't even push the finger down to do anything towards the end. So we could communicate in this sort of style of crudeness that was um, heartbreaking, but also worked. Necessary. Yeah. I, yeah, we did that with Bob until he couldn't, it was just, but the, the, the smile when I walked in that room. Yeah. Was everything. Yeah. Showing um, up for people with ALS is like the most you can do. Right. It's all. It's and just all, talk. They can hear. They can. Yeah. It's. Yeah. It's the fucking worst. It's um, the fucking worst. So sorry so, to kick off with that. People. All right. So <laughs> rest, rest, your in rest in peace, peace Mary. Mary. You, Liz, first of all. It's very hard to find information out about you because unfortunately you had to hire someone to get a lot of information off of the internet. Yes, I scrubbed about the you. internet of all things me. Right. But, you know, I am Judy Gold and I do my due diligence. Um, I know that you you grew up in, in Minnesota. Lots of cousins. Lots oh, so of many. Huge family. Very, very, when I say very, I mean very Catholic. Very Catholic. Uh, very Catholic. You're the youngest. I'm the youngest. So as we know, we are rebels. Um, we're the funniest. We're the most talented. Uh, Prettiest. Best looking. Yes. Um, hottest. Yeah. I mean, I, it, we could just go on and on and on. Like me, you're never a girly girl. Like never into, oh, I want to be a mom when I grow up and have babies. And, Mm-mm. you know, no one could convince me that that was going to be good for me. Right. Right. Because even like I would watch my mom at home, you know, ironing in front of watching as the world turns. And then when I would even like the toys they made for us, easy bake oven and everything was a miniature form of housework. Yep. And I'm like, why don't you just create a doll size unfuckable husband who I just put on a couch and then create a life around that as well. If you want to just portray this as me and I'll never forget Judy. Oh my God. This is my favorite thing in the world is they gave me a doll and we all had the doll that the, the only thing the doll did was pee. That was it. That was the, (laughs) that was the fun is that you had a doll that would pee and you would change the, change the diaper. Yeah. Right. So I, not really understanding what I was doing, realized if I took the bottle and put it where it peed, I could shoot inside of it and make it barf, which I was a hundred percent proud of myself. That's and great. So my mom was having the neighbor over for lunch and I went in with the doll literally riding the bottle, squirting it. And I was like, look, mom, look what I invented. I can make the doll barf. And she looked at me horrified, then put me into child psychology. No, it's so funny. You know, know, I, it's so funny how you manipulated the situation. I was just like, I want cars. I want hot wheels. I want to mow the lawn. I'm not doing anything. My sister does. I want to rake the leaves. I want to, I want to shovel the snow. I want to do all the guy stuff. And they were like, okay, fine. But I mean, and that's why we're in the situation we are today because of this construct of this is a woman and this is a man and this is how they behave and this is what they do. 
And so now people are don't fit into the category and everyone's all mad that like, but what, wait, what are you? Who are you? What do you like? And what do you like? It's like, go fuck yourself. You don't have to have, you don't fit into this fucking mold. Well, and you know, what's so interesting about that, Judy is like, now that we've learned that like this binary is kind of bullshit, right? Right. It's the like, and the people are, we're complex beings and gender is made up and like, right. Be however you are. Right. But truth be told, people who have been in charge, i.e. white males, patriarchy, they never look at race, look at all of it. Right. Right. Why can't I call you what I want to call you? Right. right. When it comes to race, when it comes to everything, it's never about like and it's because they don't know anyone or they don't want to live in the world or they don't want to be accepting or, or whatever it is. But like the whiners who perceive everything is too hard. Why do I have to push one for English? Are you fucking that hard? I'm not asking you to assemble a barbecue. Right, right. Just push one for English. What is wrong with you? You know, why can't you just recognize someone for who they are? Well, when everything is made for you, and then all of a sudden you have to, like, wait, no, this uh, this is too much. No, that's not the way the fucking world works. It doesn't work like that for anyone else but you, you fucking white supremacist male. And I have two straight male sons, and it's very... And also, unpopular opinion, I think Barbie was the best. Because Barbie's boyfriend didn't live with her. Barbie had a car and a house and all these cool clothes and could do it. You could do, you could project onto Barbie except for running a marathon because the right. feet and the boobs, but you could project onto Barbie, whatever life you wanted Barbie to have. And so when people are like, but Barbie and the boobs and the whole thing, I was like, I don't give a shit. Barbie could be like, can maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Right. I have a dream house. I have a car. What do you, can you have nothing? You, you know what you brought? You brought a bathing costume. The Kendall I had had a weird pool jacket. Right. Remember the male pool jacket? I don't even know. I'm so old that I'm talking about a male pool jacket. jacket. Yeah. But it was like, what is that? That's what Ken had. That was the Ken accessory. I had no Ken. I, I hated dolls. I had no interest. Hey everyone, did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, the space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. As a child, it sounds like you were the youngest of the whole generation because you you talk about your cousins as that some of them were at your 
parents' wedding. I was the second youngest of 26 cousins. Wow. And they all had babies. And there was just babies and babies and babies. And you were surrounded by babies and Catholicism and Catholicism. Yeah. It was like, it felt like penance. Like it felt like, oh, you're either sentenced to hard, do hard time or you're sentenced to baby shower. That was like, what would happen? It's like, do you want to be grounded or go to this baby shower? And it was like, oh my God. Sometimes I would pick grounded because cake couldn't even lure me to this like, and also I was just resentful of babies. They're useless. You know, what, right. what does it, you know, a baby doesn't have a lighter. And they get so much attention. So they much get attention some, for doing, yeah. for shitting their pants, not having booze and laying there. It's like right. literally talking to a bag of charcoal. Right. It's like, why is this interesting? You took ballet. You were very girly. You took ballet yeah. uh, up until eighth grade. You went to church all the time. Had to. That was forced. Right. That was was mandated by the Catholic police state. You wanted to be a priest, but you had a crush on the priest, on Father Hansen. Is that correct? Father Hansen. Father Hansel. Father Hansel. I wrote Hansen. He was so hot. He looked kind of like, he was like, for those of you who are Catholic, you will remember this, that back in the 70s, there was this like, modernization of the Catholic church, right? Where priests like looked hot and they had like felt banners and they quoted like Joni Mitchell and the birds, you know, it was like, you know, the answer is blowing in the wind, you know, right. and they'd have guitar masks and, you know, that kind of, like they had like a paperback Bible, which my friend Phil, who grew up in Williamsburg as an Orthodox Jew thought that, um, he thought that the New Testament was the paperback version of the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Phil. Phil's the best. Um, so it was like this Father Hansel looked like Robert Redford. He kind of had that cool stash. And like, you know, sometimes you'd see him without his collar and he was great. And I loved him. And um, and he would be like, he was my first foray, honestly. I don't know if I wanted to be a priest as much as I just wanted to be able to stand someplace and talk interrupted and have people hear what I had to say. Right. And that was the only exposure I had to it was like this priest. And then people go, oh, that was so fascinating. And I was like, oh, that uh, I want to be that. And so then I thought that um, altar boy was like some sort of like hierarchy to priests. But then I right. You wanted to be an altar boy. You wanted let me back then there was no girl. So then I like got a petition going to be an altar boy. And the priest was so mad at me that when I went to go present to him, he literally said, well, the reason you can't be an altar boy is because it's called altar boy. And I wasn't trying to be an asshole, but I'm like, I feel like you could just call me altar girl or something. (laughs) And then, and then he was like, we're going to submit your petition to Archbishop Roach, Archbishop Roach. And I was like, oh my God, that's so great. And so I go home and I go, mom, they're going to submit my petition to Archbishop Roach. And she was like, pause. Oh, that's good, honey. And Archbishop Roach was a known drunk. And they knew that like Archbishop, it was like just a way to shut me up. Right. And then Archbishop Roach, one year during Lent, drove his car hammered through the window of a 7-Eleven. No way. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you couldn't be an altar boy, girl. No, but during Lent, but he this can, guy was like throwing back the hooch and who knows. Yeah, he can drive drunk. Where. He can drive drunk. But I could have driven Archbishop Roach. <laughs> you had these older sisters and an older brother. Yeah. Were any of them as rebellious as you? Because it challenged everything, everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think they were to a sense, you know, my poor mom, like all of her children left the church. Um, but, you know, so that really broke her heart. She was like, what did I do wrong? I'm like, you just couldn't convince us about sky Jesus. We tried. Right. It's like we, we just didn't, we just didn't, we don't care. Jesus. It. Sorry, Jesus. Sorry. I mean, Jesus is great. Yeah. You know, and, um, but it's just like the dogma. Why are you trying to promote somebody great? By scaring me into liking him. Right. Like, I feel like these are, this is anathema. You, you get more flies, with, you get more Jesus with honey. <laughs> and, but you, do, all of you dutifully did everything 
although you had, you, you know, these other feelings, we all went, you were a family, church going family involved yeah. in church. That was the social center. And you had no idea. You had never met a Jew. You're never you, met a Jew. I thought they were characters in the Bible. Like right. Argonauts. that, that right. were right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was like, uh, what are Jews? Are, didn't they used to live in the past? Oh, we still have, I like Israelite right. Jew, all the same. And, and the, 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 can you tell the story about the dog and the Jew go, going to heaven? One of the teachers said dogs and Jews don't go to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Dogs and Jews don't go to heaven. And then I was like, well, um, are Jews dogs? And she was I just like, can't no. believe you never encountered a Jew. But yeah, go ahead. No, like, I mean, it's like when you my mom, like when you live in these communities, first of all, Minneapolis has had a neighborhood that was the Jewish. Yes. Yes. I know. Um, right. We always and we always have our neighborhoods. The yeah. Jewish. Neighborhood. No one wants us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so my mom never learned to drive. And so we were in a Catholic neighborhood. We took the bus or walked everywhere. My whole life was dictated by where she wanted to shuffle us around and through. Right. And so it wasn't really until um, public school. Yeah. When that, you went to um, public high school. Jews. And then Saturdays, my friends I couldn't play with on Saturday. Right. It's so it, it I find it interesting because. You were so isolated for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, but, like, all but, but I think the thing that was interesting was the church, na- the neighborhood that we lived in was run by Jesuits. So the church I love and the, the school Jesuits. itself yeah. was way more liberal than my parents were. I think I just had a sense of opening up to things. And also, like, I was born with curiosity. Yeah. You know, and I 100% believe that curiosity is as important a vital organ as your heart or your pulse or anything. Amen. Amen, sister. Yeah. Cause that's what keeps you engaged, engaged, also self-reflective. Um, you know, you, you, you are fearless. So in, in any kind of like I was never somebody who was driven by one thing. Right. And so I also think that's one of the reasons I just rejected Catholicism, because as I met other people thriving in the world, it was like, oh, your goodness and your thriving and your like interesting self wasn't driven by this dogma. You had something else or nothing. Right. That entered into your world and it made you this really cool, whole, interesting person that examined all this other stuff. Right. And so I was very much curious, which led me, I think, to just opening up my world so that it felt more diverse and felt, you know, do you, did you, did you, I mean, your sister's the, the nearest one was what, six years older than you. And then, and it went all the way up to 13 years, but did you come home to them and say, Hey, what the fuck is this? Or what, what is that? Or, uh, I think I overheard a lot at the did. There was a lot of healthy, rigorous yelling at yeah. the dinner table. Well, right? that's very Jewish. Go ahead. Yeah. And so um, I'm 61. And so being the youngest, it was like dinner, Vietnam War. You know, my brother's like, I'm going to Canada. If they call my number, everybody was against the war, you know. And so and then my dad was like, I was in I fought at the first Marine Division of Guadalcanal and I we need to fund the military. I never want to be left for dead. And like, I studied history in college because I yes. I needed to understand what my dad came from. Right. And and so curiosity when he wasn't like couldn't tell me what he went through and I read about it like that first Marine Division at Guadalcanal was left for dead on the island. When they landed on the island, they landed on a sandbar and then they took three steps and like half the dudes drowned because it was a false thing. And the first thing they had to do was like light these people on fire and kill them so they wouldn't get disease. And then they were left 58 days in the hole, shelling of bombing where they were given World War One equipment. So right. for him, the not ever wanting anyone young to have to go through that again was 
it was one of those things that it's it's not going to happen, but you can't break someone of that cycle. You know, I remember asking Whoopi Goldberg one time, I was like, why do you do like Hollywood squares and stuff? Like why, you know, you're, you get Oscars, you do all the stuff. And she's like, at 13, I was a crack addict. Like I never want to be that again. And I know it's irrational and that right. I have more money than I'll ever need. But the connection to that place, it makes me want to right, do. Right, right, yeah. I, I right. I did Hollywood Squares and I loved it. No, I would have done Hollywood Squares. Oh, yeah. If I don't get yeah. booked on Password, I'm going to kill myself. Oh my kill God. Myself. I- Wait, wait, how do we get our password password and the uh, pyramid Judy? Uh, I just like, I'm not in the cool group. I'm I'm not. I'm so mad. I'd be so good at that. I want to be on that. I just like, hello, you know, before. Okay. When I come back to New York, Judy, I have four password home games. I want to have a password dinner. I love password. I do too. I love it. I fuck. Yes. Yes, Liz, we're having a password this party. This is okay, but I just—it's so infuriating. I'm like, oh my god, I'm just not—I'm just missing the boat. And but yet, that is how I grew up. That, and I always thought, oh, I'd be great on match game, match game, match game, match game. I match know. Game. It's like, am I not? I—I feel like I'm not, we're not famous cool. enough to be yes. the famous person, and I'm too famous to be the regular person, right? Exactly. Yeah. We'll keep her in mind. Yeah. Um, she's on the list. Yeah. It's like, we're in the middle. We're in the, okay. I love that you talked about, because when you, and then I'm going to move on to high school, but that when you wanted to be a priest, it, it, it reminded me of the similarities in the, in the Judaism. It's like, you wanted to be the priest. He was, everyone was listening to him. He had everyone's attention. And I feel like my first performance was my bat mitzvah where I oh. was conducting the service. And I was like, oh my God, that's just like the bat mitzvah. Yeah. Um, well, also too, like when I was a kid, I don't even know how rebellious I was versus if you're going to say no to me, make it make sense. Right. And as a kid, when it was like, you can't be a, you can't be a altar boy because it's not called altar. Like, that's just not a reason. Like, do right. I have to carry something I can't lift? Is it unsafe? You know, is there, I can put on that dress. I can do whatever. I can lift the water. I've watched people do it a million times. Like I I make it make sense. Right. And so every time someone said no to me because I was a girl or, or that's the same, right. I'm like, I, I, same thing. And I was like, wait, why can't, well, I can't do that because I'm a girl. What the fuck is that about? Yeah. I want to take shop. I don't want to take home ec. Um, and I did it, but it was like, I didn't shut up about it. Like you, I was like, why am I not allowed to do like, I would just say, give me a reason. And no one had a reason. So I, I felt, I felt like we were kindred spirits and probably would have been friends. So you go to high school and all of a sudden you meet different kinds of people. I mean, I know you're curious, but were you like, was there some sort of like, oh, that I'm supposed to think this about that? Uh, um, I don't think there was. And in my high school, like, wasn't one of those sort of like movie high schools, you know, where there's like the mean girls and then the cheerleaders were popular yeah. and stuff. Like, I would like, you'll love this. I was on the dance line. Yes. You were the, you were the head of the dance line. I was the captain of the dance line. Yes. And we danced to Joan Armour trading. Like yes. we did like honestly, like so it was like it was like cool modern dance and like we would do stuff. Right. And, and it was like I was part of many groups because I smoked pot in high school for yes. a short amount of time. I've never been like you a pot got, person. But right. I but did. you you joined the student council because yeah. they smoked pot and you were like, yes. I want to smoke pot. You I want to smoke pot with the smart kids. And then I was in the play and, and varsity gymnastics. Yeah. Varsity gymnastics and your nickname was Windspread. Windspread. <laughs> yes, baby. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So you really. I'm sad that you know that. I feel like I'm now sorry. My I love that. As an adult I love it. Going to be windspread. windspread. I will never uh, avoid it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you were very you were engaged in 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 t- you were you went all in in high I school. I went all in. Uh, and, you know, it was like and you were in the music, man. In the Music Man, and you know um, that's where I met some gay kids in 1979. You know, right. and it was like, you're so fun and you're so nice, and like again, make it make sense. You know, these poor kids were hiding and scared, right? And, 
Um, and so, you know, we would have to go. I would have totally been friends with you. I would. Yeah, totally we would have friends. totally been friends, you know. And so it would just all blossomed out of that. But I do think that Catholicism took a hold on my head because right. like high school also, I wasn't supposed to have sex. And of course I did. Right. And um, because I was Catholic, I was like, oh, if I have sex and use birth control, I'll be committing two sins. Two sins. So I'll just pick one. Obviously the fun one, because I'm not a fucking idiot who'd just be on birth control and be like, I feel like sinning and not fucking. That seems dumb. So I got pregnant the first time ever. Yes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to talk about that because I, I, I think that and your psychology teacher. Oh, my um, God. That fucking guy. Oh, my God. So it's the psychology final. And I write this paper on, you know, the condition what, of. Are you in are you in 12th grade? I'm a senior. Grade. Senior. Yeah. Condition of humanity. And this guy hated me. You know, he, he, oh, he was somebody to. who just saw the cheerleader, the dance line part, you know, you know, but it's part. also like when a teacher hates you, you can't fucking win. You can't you fucking cannot win. fucking win. You can't fucking no, win. Yeah. So I write this paper and I thought I was going to give me like a C, whatever. And he passes out all the papers and I don't have my paper. And I was like, um, Hey, excuse me. And he's like giving the speech about I'm saving the best paper for last. This paper is, is, is written by someone who is wise beyond their emotional years, blah, blah, blah. And I'm waiting and I kept raising me. I'm like, I don't have my paper yet. Can you give me mine before we praise the some man? And he goes, and that paper is Liz Winstead's paper. And I was like, oh my God. And then he says, Liz, your insight into the world and what you have revealed in this paper you will one day make a fantastic mother. Oh, yeah. That's oh. what he relegated. That's what yeah. he relegated my like. In a public also, school. I wrote that paper in high. I, I need to be clear. I wrote yeah. the paper high. <laughs> I was definitely high when I read that paper. Right. But um, it was just like. Oh, yeah. That's and, not on the list. Right. That is not on the list. That so, is like MMA fighter and maybe mother. Like at the uh, at, right. So you have that happen. This, I have a similar story, but you uh, were in the school play and the person who you beat out for Marion in The Music Man ended up writing a review for the school newspaper and dissed you so much uh, because she was so jealous, she didn't get the part. Yeah. And your mother called the principal. Yeah. And they sort of had to apologize. They had to now, apologize. It was such a brutal takedown. It's like, I'm sorry. Does Michael Mustow go to our school? <laughs> like, are you kidding me, bitch? And also, like, learning early on that the media cannot be trusted. The Southwest high school paper is like she went in so hard and it was also too like um it was interesting because i didn't fit in all any click you know she was like a theater person right right she deserved and you know she was a theater person and it was like i'm just not a any person and so she looked at me like a dilettante who got the role right and she should have had it because she worked harder i'm like um I just got the role. Like I got, right. I, I auditioned and I got the role. I so also sold the- out the room, bitch. I'm just yeah. saying, maybe I didn't hit the high A in my white night, a song nobody knows from the music man, unless you know the play. Maybe I didn't hit the high A because that song is hard. Right. Like, my white night, not a Lancelot or an angel with wings, just someone to love me. 
I mean, like whatever. Oh, I love that, Liz. It reminds me of the story that I actually told at my mother's funeral that when I did 25 questions for a Jewish mother, oh, there's the poster. I had a rave review in the Times and then the hometown paper gave me a terrible review. I'm sure I've told this on the podcast and there was no social media. It was, if you have any questions or comments, you can call me or... Uh, write a letter to me or call me at, and, and I was at a photo shoot and the publicist came over and said, Judy, I have to talk to you. Your mother called the writer at the star ledger and, um, she can't, she left a message. He's not calling her back, but, but she can't be calling the the, the reviewers who, who say something negative. And I called my mother. I said, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I called up my mother. I said, ma, you can't call reviewers. And she said, I read his article. And it had a phone number at the end if I had any questions or comments. And I had a comment. I listened to his comments and he can listen to mine. And I have every right. And I was like, what do you say to that? She fucking is right. She was right. Correct. And and he gave me a good review for the next show. But he was afraid of my mother. Um, But it reminded me. So I feel like. Judy, it's those kind of things like because I, you know, we've heard about our, our. our mothers through our acts for so many years. I never had the pleasure to meet your mom, but like the way that they go in, like, it's like, could you just normally be a loving person so that I'm not desperate to to love me? (laughs) And then you make these big grand gestures that are in an explosion of love you feel about me, but I would prefer small bursts. Yeah, yeah, like, hi, honey, how was your day? Give me a hug. Would you like to yeah. have dinner? Let's go to a yeah. movie. How about if we yeah. just go get our nails done? Right. Instead of, are you going to get your nails done? <laughs> you know, and then like you write, how are you going to wear your hair? Yes. yes. You know, yes. but it's like, it was like, I'll never forget when I started doing activism and really focusing on abortion, like this is a long time ago. I did a benefit in Minnesota. I remember. Yeah. Uh, for, um, I did. I started something called Stand Up for Choice, which was funding med students to go. And there was an article in the paper, in the Minnesota paper, right? And so I'm staying at my parents' house. I wasn't living in Minnesota at the time. I was staying with them and I'm sleeping. And then I feel this presence standing over me. And I wake up and it's my mother standing over me with the newspaper. Like, what? Are you doing a thing about your thing? And I was like, yes, mom, I'm raising money for abortion. And uh, it's like, not in my house, you're not. And I was like, well, the benefit's not here. It is someplace else. So bullet dodged. And then she's like, this is an outrage. You're embarrassing me. And I was like, I'm going to go out. I'm leaving. I said, everybody needs to chill the fuck out. I'm leaving. I'm going to go get coffee. And she goes, there's not a Starbanks near here if that's where you're going. (laughs) Starbanks. And and then my dad goes, oh, are you going to go to try and find the New York Times? And, and I said, yeah, dad, I'm going to go try to find the New York Times. And then he said, because my dad was a wild anti-Semitic. He goes, you know, the New York Times, they practically published the Jerusalem school lunch menu in there. Is there anything they don't publish that isn't pro-Jew? And I go, okay, dad. So I go out and I'm like furious. I don't even want to come back home. And I have my coffee and I have my, um, you know, the, the Jewish weekly, the New York right, Times. Right, right. And I walk into the apartment and I hear my dad on the phone and he's screaming at a person. And he was like, how dare you call here? How dare you call here? I can't believe you'd call here and say that about my daughter. And I was like, oh, my God. And then he goes, "Um, let look, you're weak. You're weak. I raised my daughter to have an opinion and she'll say it publicly. You're nothing but weak. Call me up screaming at an old man. And then he hung up and I was like. Oh, and then I, and then I, and then I was like, wow, that's really great. And he goes, you know, I did, but I forgot to tell you it was supposed to be mine. (laughs) (laughs) But like, that was like, like, why do we have to like here when our parents define us? So I'm curious as to why you think your father was so anti-Semitic. I mean, it's such an old trope. It's just like, it's so old. I know know it's the oldest hate. They said it's the oldest hate. I think he finally came around a little, maybe, but grew up in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Well, like there my, you go. Well, let's be clear. 
my dad's first cousin was the orchestrator of the Goodman Schwerner Cheney murder. It was the arc. My sister wrote a book about it. Like we stopped seeing this family. Like it was like, we're wow. Done. Yeah. You know, they live where they pull the bodies out, like three miles away from there. Like it was a whole crazy ass. I wish more people knew about those murders. And I do too. And thinking I, and I'm, that- always, I'm always curious when people don't want to talk about, I mean, I don't like to throw into like, there's something really unsettling about, and, and even I'm, we're doing this now where it's like, I'm telling you something that's harmful, you know, it's like, right. oh, my dad was a anti-Semite, you know, and like, do you need to hear that? Is that something that you need to hear? Yes. Probably not. Yes. No. But like, at the same time, it's like whenever someone but, is yeah. like saying, oh, my, my dad was, here's a, here's a racist story that's hurtful. Right. So it's kind of like, I always wrestle with how do I talk about um, the racism in my family or the anti-Semitism in my family or the whatever. <laughs> And not have it be triggering for somebody who I'm talking to. But who- it, it it is it is erasing history. It, it is it, it it's gonna you have to know that these people existed and they had children who did better and knew more and yeah. didn't behave like that. Well, and also I think the passive comments, right? It's that whole like is you know, trying to have folks understand that you don't have to say the N-word to be a racist, right? right. Like what is your what are your behaviors? What are your off-passing things? How and are you in the world? Passing yeah. things when you're like, well, you know, I just don't really understand how the Jewish people do it. And then they'll say a thing, right? And that if people say enough of those comments, that's what forms public opinion. And right. that's what forms this stuff. It's often not, you know, that's like when we talk about abortion, right. you know, it's like no one's going to be like, oh my God, I'm now thinking about abortion in a new way. When you just talk about a 10 year old who was raped. At oh God, I can't. Yada, right. That's a horrific tragedy, but it's not a relatable story. Right. And so it is, it's, it's like, it's how do we, how do we get to the relatable stories? How do we remind people of our shared existences, our shared commonalities, our shared struggles. Right. So that we can look at the origins of how this hate started. How we got here. How we got here. And also like in the fundamental place of where isms begin or Mm -hmm. obias, (laughs) um, it's from somebody simply asking for the dignity of humanity. It's all about dignity. It's all big about dignity. I know yeah. I learned that from being an LGBTQ yes. advocate but, yes. or activist. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with Liz Winstead. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel. It's edited by Colin Schmeling. The podcast would not be possible without the help and marketing of Brittany Jo Sowards. And if you have not subscribed and left a review, what the fuck? is wrong with you it helps people find the podcast five stars please five stars uh, oh i haven't checked my uber or lyft in a while why don't we do that so i can see how much everyone hates me so let's look at my uh car services on my phone and i see uber let's see what my rating is on uber i haven't even used uber oh my god i'm a 4.48 is that that's not even that like if i got a driver that was 4.48 i would be like oh fuck the driver's a 4.48 okay that's why i get canceled all the time on uber like i order an uber and then they're like ew okay let's see what i am on lyft because i'm really nice on lyft and i always tip too so fuck all these people let's see four nine four nine one person was an asshole four nine but whatever I can't believe like that actually has a profound effect on my self-esteem. Anyway, this week, this week, people, I am on October 6th. I'm at the Wall Street Theater in Norwell, Connecticut with my friend and the hilarious Jessica Curson. So excited. We never get to work together and she's fucking hilarious. I'll be on Uncabaret on the Zoom uh, on uh, October 9th. The 11th, 12th, and 13th, I will be in Provincetown, Massachusetts for Women's Week at the Post Office Cabaret, and I will be at the Sunshine Cathedral in Florida 
on the 22nd of October in Fort Lauderdale, and I'm thinking of all of those in Florida who are nice and were screwed by this hurricane, and it's called climate change, and it sucks, and it's scary, um, and I hate Ron DeSantis. So that being said, please come see me. I'm at the Greenwich Odeon. I think that's in, in Rhode Island, actually, on, on uh, November 5th. It doesn't matter because I, I, it's far away, so don't buy tickets yet. No, you can buy tickets. Anyway, that's that's all I have to say, except I love, first of all, I've gotten some responses on the 99 cents a month, okay, which is great. Thank you. Or week. Month, is it month or week? Anyway, and I have had a couple people tell me they listen till the end. So who's today's listen to the end person? I know who next week's is, but someone did it before you. So this week, fuck, I'm looking at my, I took a photo of it and then I got to go on my phone. I got to find the photos. Let's see. Rob Johnston. It could be Johnson, but it's Johnston. Rob Johnston. Thank you. Said he would do the 99 cents if that will keep the show going. He came to see me at, um... Oh, my God. Uh, He came to see my show at the Daryl Roth Theater when I did the Judy show, My Life is a Sitcom, seven or eight times. I fucking love you, Rob Johnston. And now I'm trying to look him up, but then I realized I can't look him up because it's a fucking photo. Okay? Not that smart. Anyway, um, oh, Rob, that made my night, day, week. Uh, Now I'm looking you up. Um, Thank you. That means a lot. Rob Johnston. Let's see. He follows me. Oh, he's a fan of theater movies and legit and legit loves little as much as a good pun. He, him. Okay. I just, the legit was, um, capitalized and had a period at the end. So don't blame me. Blame Rob. Anyway. So I love my fans. I love you guys so much. And if you're still listening, I fucking love you so much. I'm sorry for yelling. Anyway, that's all. I don't know what to say about the state of the, the the world. The climate change is really upsetting me. The women's rights is really upsetting me. Um, but we got to fight. Fight, 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 fight. That's what it's all about. Fighting. As my family never did. <laughs> anyway, that's it. I love you. I think you're awesome for listening to the end. Um, I want to wish a Lashana Teva Tikatevu to all the Jews. I'm going to take a shower now and get ready to do some stand-up comedy in New York City. So anyway, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And as we always say, so long.